I want to talk to you today about the genius of generosity, the genius of generosity. Uh, many of us would readily admit that giving has a profound impact on our spiritual life. But doctors are also telling us today that generosity has a huge impact on our own physical health. In fact, the National Kidney Foundation released a study recently that said that people who are generous experience lower blood pressure, maybe as much as uh, up to 40% less, uh, also better heart health, less cholesterol and infl inflammation, and then an improved outlook on life. Wow! Maybe that's why God has been encouraging us to be generous people for all of these many, many years. Doctors also tell us that when we're generous, it releases the feel-good chemical in our brain called dopamine. And dopamine is the thing that makes us feel good. You could say that dopamine is the dope, right? It makes you feel good. And when we are generous, it feels good. It releases those chemicals in the brain that feels good. Year after year, more and more studies are highlighting the benefits of generosity. And doctors are telling us that it can reduce stress. It can enhance one's sense of purpose. It can help us overcome depression. And some studies are even indicating that it can make us live longer. It can increase our lifespan with all that said, we need to talk about how we can become generous people. How we can become generous people. I, I've titled the message, The Genius of Generosity or The Wisdom of Tithing because God in his wisdom and in his knowledge designed for us in the beginning to be people who were generous. And God was generous when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and to rise from the grave. I mean, that was the, the generosity of God. And now God asks us to be generous back to him and to others. And I want to outline six things today, six things, six reasons why generosity is genius. And here's the first one, that generosity, tithing, actually honors the Lord. Okay, it honors God. How many of us would say if it honors God, that's a good thing, right? If it honors God, it's good. Look at this in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. Honor the Lord. It honors God when we are generous. It, I mean, it honors the Lord. It honors Him. And honor means to highly esteem someone. So if I honor my wife, I highly esteem her, right? And the scripture is full of honor. The Bible says that husbands should honor wives and that wives should honor husbands and that employees should honor bosses and that we should, we should honor our political leaders, even the ones we didn't vote for, we should still honor them. Um, we should honor uh, leaders in the church, uh, the Bible says we should honor, honor, honor. But when it comes to God, one of the ways that we can honor the Lord is through giving. And it, it, it esteems the Lord. It highly esteems him. And that's why Proverbs challenges us to do so. In an agrarian society, people brought tithes in livestock and in crops. People didn't have the Zell app 
People didn't have debit cards, online this and that. So people gave out of what was in the barn. They gave out of the produce of the field, if you will. And so this is what Proverbs is talking about. And it says here, the first fruits of your produce. In other words, the first portion, the 10th portion belongs to God. In Leviticus 27, 30, he says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart for him as holy. In other words, God's, God's portion, God's tenth goes to him first. And when we bring that tithe, we, we honor the Lord. We honor him. We honor him. And we ought to do that. We ought to honor God in all that we do. We honor him. So the genius of giving begins because it honors the Lord and we ought to honor the Lord. Secondly, it allows God to bless us. It puts us in the blessed place. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 again. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with, say it with me, plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. In other words, when we bring to God what belongs to God, God will take care of us. Amen? God will take care of us. God will take care of us. We, 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 we get into that place of the blessing when, when, when God uh, has what he's given to us. God says, I want you just to return a portion of what I've already given to you. And he says, when you do that, then, I, then I'll take care of you. I mean, it's in my hands. Uh, God keeps filling it up. In fact, it's in the imperfect tense. If you look at this, this phrase here in verse 10, it says, then your barns will be filled. In other words, it's filled by God. God is the one who fills barns, not us. Amen? Amen? Sometimes we fall into the trap of believing that the barn is full because of us, but really the barn is full only because of God. Only because of Him. And God is the one. And when the barn is full, then, 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 then we pour out, Right? We, we, we spend, we eat, we give, and then God fills it up again. And then we, we, we repeat the same pattern over and over and over again. So the genius of giving is simply this. It allows God to bless our lives. By the way, whatever God owns in your life, did you know that you will be blessed? If you have a marriage that's focused on God, guess what? God will bless the marriage. How about that? If you have a life that honors God, guess what? God will bless that. If you have a church that honors the Lord, God will bless that. God will bless it. God is just in the business of, of blessing the things that, that honor him. And, and when we get into the zone here, into the generosity zone, God begins to bless. Look, look at Proverbs eleven twenty four. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In other words, it's like what Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. Press, press down, shaken together, flowing over. It's the same concept. Um, we think that we'll have more by keeping more, but in reality, when we're generous, then God begins to bless us more. That's really the secret of abundance is understanding that God wants us to give first and then to receive back. 
Um, we've been in this season of taking the 90-day tithe challenge. Many of you have been stepping up to the plate saying, man, you know, I want to honor God with the finances. I want to bring that 10th portion to the house of worship. And it's been awesome. And you guys have been doing a great job of that. I was talking with a guy uh, in our church a few years ago. He was really frustrated. He had worked in the same job for five years. He had seen no, no pay raise. And he said, I'm going to take the 90-day tithe challenge. He took, took the challenge all fired up. About two or three months later, he came back to me and he goes, Pastor Ryan, you're not going to believe this. This is crazy. I was so frustrated. I wanted to quit my job. It's not because I didn't like my job. I just was frustrated that I hadn't had a raise in five years. He goes, they gave me a huge raise and I cannot tell you how good that this feels. And, and I just said, you know, I wonder if God was just getting you in the place to teach you something uh, to, to prepare you to go to the next level. It was awesome. It's fantastic. I was talking with another church member that started tithing, never had been a tither before, started tithing. Big deal for him. He said, Pastor, I've, I've, it's, I've been tithing about two years now. I was like, awesome. He goes, you know, I just realized that I actually have gotten five raises, small raises. He said they were small raises, but I nonetheless raises, five raises over the last two years. But I didn't realize that that was the Lord. I thought that was just because I was doing a great job. I had a great personality. People knew me. And he goes, I finally realized that was from God. How about that? You cannot lose when you put God first in your finances. You can't do it. It's amazing to see what God will do. And God does different things in different people's lives. It's never the exact same there's not like one playbook, but just know this, man. When, when God has your finances, God has your heart because Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God is in the business of blessing his children. God loves you. God wants to take care of you. You may be completely stressed about finances. Listen, there's no greater time to give to God than when you are the most stressed because that's when you're putting yourself in the position to be blessed the most by him. So why is gene, the generosity of, uh, why is generosity genius? It honors the Lord. It allows me to become blessed and it also protects me from being selfish. Okay. Now we have to protect against greed. Amen. All of us struggle a little bit with some greed. Come on. Somebody talk to me today. Anybody just a little greedy. Come on. Oh yeah. Come on. Who, who likes, who likes nice stuff? I like nice stuff. I can be greedy sometimes. If the spirit's not working in my life, I can be a little greedy. We can all get there. Look at this right here. Proverbs eleven twenty four. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, greed is one of those funny sins. It's a subtle sin. It's kind of like below the surface, right? As a pastor, I have people come in my office all the time and confess different sins and and, and, and we talk and, and things like that. And, you know, I never share those things and, and, and whatever. Those are confidential things. But I've had people come to me and, 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 and I've been a pastor a long time. People have confessed to me adultery. People have confessed to me they've stolen things that were not theirs. People have confessed to me, you know, being prideful or being angry or whatever it may be. I don't think I've ever had somebody come in my office and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling with being greedy. It's just kind of one of those subtle sins, right? That it's below the surface. It's there, 
But a lot of times we don't either acknowledge it or we don't want to admit it. But, but, the, but the antidote to greed is generosity. It's there. It's there just because we don't, you know, wear a T-shirt. I'm a greedy sucker, you know. Doesn't mean it's not there. So we got to look at it. And the antidote to greed is generosity. That is God's protection over our heart to keep us from becoming self-dependent and self-indulgent. Generosity protects my heart. Every month when I bring the tithe, I'm, I'm fighting I'm fighting that, that greed. I'm fighting it. Um, greed caused so, many, so much destruction in the Bible. Look at this right here. Uh, it, it caused Lot to desire to take the plain of Jordan, which led him to some other bad decisions. Caused Esau to sell his birthright. Greed caused the rich young ruler to turn away from Jesus. Uh, greed caused Samuel's sons to take bribes. It caused Judas to sell Jesus out for those pieces of silver. Greed can lead us to do some crazy things. In fact, I read this week in a book about a study that was conducted a few years ago. And the question was, what would you do for $10 million? I want you to think for just a moment. What crazy thing would you do for $10 million? Not, not $10,000, $10 million. Well, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Here's the study. Here's the results. 25% said they would abandon all of their friends if they were given $10 million. Yeah. See you guys later. 23% said they would be willing to work as a prostitute for a week. Whoa, that's like almost one-fourth $10 million. 16% said they would give up their citizenship and move to another country. See you, USA. 10% said they would give up, uh, they would not give their testimony in a court of law, which would in turn allow our murderer to go free. Okay? I'll let the bad guy go, 10%. 7% said that they would murder a stranger. I think that's one of the weirdest ones right there. Wow, $10 million. And 4% said they would have a sex change operation. Wow. That's pretty crazy. $10 million. People will do some wild stuff. $10 million or $10 million. Isn't it amazing that people will do crazy things for money, but sometimes won't do simple things for God? Simple things. So God just wants us to do what is simple today. What is simple? I think this is why Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy and he said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Sometimes we think about that verse and we think that all money is evil. Money is not either good or bad. Money is neutral. It's what we do with the money and it's the motivations around the money. Because notice it says the love of money. Having money is not bad. It's the love of money. I have to have more money. Which is greed, right? That's greed, being greedy. The love of money. The love of money. And the way we protect ourselves against greed is we practice generosity. We, we practice generosity. It, 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 it keeps our heart in check. It keeps us focused on God and not on our stuff. And when you give, you break the hold of materialism over your life. Uh, I love to teach my kids to give. My kids are tithers. They love to give. They love it. I want to teach them at a young age. 
before they get old, a young age, God first. Stuff after that, God first. God first. Let's bring the tithes. Let's teach our children. Let's do it. Let's do it because it's so important. The psychiatrist Carl Menninger was a really famous uh, psychiatrist in the 20th century. After studying generosity for many years, he said generosity is one of the essential components of mental health. So if you ever feel like you're about to lose your mind, be generous. Be generous. He said it like this. Generous people are rarely mentally ill. Just interesting, isn't it? God knew all that in the beginning. God actually created us to be people of generosity. God put a desire in us to express love and devotion towards him and towards others. It's awesome. God is a generous God. We're never more like God than when we're generous. Here's a, here's a fourth thing. Put this on your notes. Generosity is genius because it makes me trust God. It makes me trust God. Go back to Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. We love trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. How many of you know that Bible verse? Anybody, some Christian people got some Bible verse? How many of you have that like on a plaque or a t-shirt or a tattoo or a screensaver or somebody? I mean, Christians love Proverbs. It's a great verse. It's a great Bible verse, isn't it? We love that stuff. That, that is the dopamine right there. That's the dope. Proverbs 3, for trust in the Lord with all your heart. We got to make a song out of that. That's just, that's just a great one. Did you know what that's tied to? The context of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is the context of giving. Okay, look with me if, if you would. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then he goes down to verse 7. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And here we go, right here, giving. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. So trusting God and giving go together. And if I want to learn to really be a person of faith and I want to really trust God with my life and my stuff, I got to give. I got to give. That's the context. You learn so much about a Bible verse by just reading the verses like right before it and the verses right after it, right? Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. And then guess what? Honor the Lord with the first fruits. I love verse seven though. Look back at that. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Isn't that great? Don't be wise in your own eyes. Uh, in other words, don't sit around and go, you know what? I got a better plan. I know better about my stuff than God knows. I mean, sometimes we got some elaborate plans, don't we? We have some clever plans when it comes to our stuff. We can be immensely creative. God's plan is always better. Don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't, be, don't, don't come up with your own stuff. Just follow what God has said. Just do what he said. Follow the Lord. Follow him. And, and generosity is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. And the more it is exercised, the stronger it becomes. And the more that we want to follow him. So it makes me trust God. Okay, you want to really live by faith. 
Put your money where your mouth is. Look at this fifth thing. It teaches me discipline. Okay, the genius of generosity. It teaches me discipline. I got some good news for you today. You don't have to have everything that you think that you have to have. How about that? Is that true? Maybe you're like right on the verge of making a huge purchase. I want you to ask yourself this question. And I'm not telling you not to buy things. I'm just saying this. Do you really have to have that? Do you need it as bad as you think that you may? <laughs> we get in this zone sometimes. I gotta have this. I gotta have that. Now, 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 now. You know? <laughs> Listen, man. Generosity. Bringing those tithes. It teaches us discipline in our spending. I don't have to have everything that everybody else has. I don't have to have everything right now. Proverbs 16, 9 said we should make plans counting on God to direct us. It teaches us discipline. We got to plan to tithe and then expect God to bless us. Uh, Proverbs 21, 5 says the plan of the diligent leads surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. So we ought to have a plan. We ought a plan, man. It teaches me discipline. Teaches me discipline. Teaches me to save. It teaches me to... Most people are not so wealthy that they can just tithe and have no financial plan. I mean, most people, if they really are generous people, they have to plan it out because if they don't plan it out, then they can't be generous. So you got to have a plan. You got to have a financial plan for your life. And God should be at the top of that plan. I was talking with a young couple in our church. They were in their 20s, newly married couple. They were like, Pastor, we really wanted to live in this apartment complex. We really wanted to, 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 to live here. We wanted to have these things. And, and we couldn't do it financially and still bring the tide. So they moved into an apartment complex that was less than where they wanted to live. And they gave up the internet and the uh, cable, all right? And this is like before Netflix came out, okay? So this was, like, this was like a big deal to them. And they were like, man, you know, wow. I'll tell you what's awesome. They did that for a couple of years and God blessed them and they moved into a house and guess what? They got internet and cable and I've never seen people so happy. It was so awesome. But you know what? Their life, they're, they're, it wasn't like they were like suffering. I mean... You know, and again, I'm not telling you there's anything wrong with having cable television. I'm just saying that you have a certain amount of resources and it's all got to fit into a box at some point. And we may not have to have everything that we think that we have to have. I drove a car for 16 years. And uh, it it become like a member of the family. I mean, that, that's a long time. That car just kept going and going. I probably could have driven it for 20 years. Every year I would say to myself, Ryan, you got to get rid of this car, you know, and, and it, was, it was just such a great car. And I love not having some other expenses and, you know, and, and we were having some building projects here at the church and some other things were going on. I'm so glad I drove that car. It was awesome. And then one day, hallelujah, I got a different car. But I didn't have to have the new car as soon as I thought that I might have had to have it. 
There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But listen, do you have to have everything that you think that you got to have? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, I was at the uh, Southlands Mall after church one Sunday a few years ago, and I ran into a church member. I was like, what are you doing here? And he goes, oh, I work here. He was, he was working at one of the clothing stores that I like over there at the mall. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, this brother's going to hook his pastor up with a discount. Amen. It's awesome. And I said, really, what are you doing here? And he said, well, he goes, pastor, you know, things have been kind of tight. I got a bunch of kids and I want to tithe. And I just felt like I needed to get out and earn some extra money. And I was like, so you're telling me that you come over here on weekends you come Sunday after church, you come Saturdays, and you work a second job. And he had a good job. If I told you the name of the company he worked for, everybody would know exactly what it is. So he had a good job, but he was just coming up a little short, and he wanted to be able to take care of his family. He wanted to give to the house of God, and he went out and he got a second job. I got to tell you, this guy did this for two years, and after that, he got the most amazing raise at his office, at his work, and Guess what? He quit the clothing store. And it was awesome. But you know what? God taught him some things in those moments. Uh, sometimes there's something great about being desperate. Sometimes there's something powerful about not having everything that we feel like that we need because we have to lean on the Lord a little bit more. And God taught him something out of that. And God blessed him. And he didn't have to do that forever, but he did for a little while. And it was awesome. And it was a part of his great journey of faith really was. Why is, why is generosity genius? Well, it makes me trust God, not just myself. It teaches me to be disciplined, but here's the best part, guys. Don't miss this. It brings me joy. I mean, generosity is amazing because it brings me joy. Second uh, Corinthians says, God loves a hilarious is the Greek word a cheerful is the English word, a cheerful giver. It ought to bring us joy. And the proverb says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I was thinking about this this week and, I, and it occurred to me, I don't think that I am hardly around people who are generous and who are negative. There's just something about this. I don't even know if this is in the Bible. This may just be my own experience and maybe you disagree with it, but I think I'm right. People who are generous are rarely negative people. People who are generous tend to be more optimistic, positive people about life. It's just something about it. I don't know what it is. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In other words, you'll be joyful. This verse makes me smile just to think about it. We have a little saying around here at Edge Church. It's automate your joy. When you automate your giving here at the church, guess what? It automates your joy. You know on the 1st or the 5th or the 12th or the 15th or whatever it is, you know, you, you have a reason to be joyful. It's awesome. And we're giving out those orange mugs today. If you want to automate your giving, you can get one as you leave today. Automate your joy. Be joyful. It feels good to give, doesn't it? The dopamine's going in the head. It's awesome. It's feeling good. It's feeling good. It feels good to help somebody, doesn't it? Um, it's a joy to give in a growing church. You know, we support uh, a mission fund 
that, that uh, has put 3,600 missionaries around the world. And our church gives to that every month. A portion of what you give here at Edge Church goes to help the missionaries. I was reading about a couple that are doctors in Southeast Asia last night. And they're helping people physically. And guess what? They get to help people spiritually. And our church gets to support people like that. I can't even tell you the country that they're in because it, it, it would put them in danger. So they have to say Southeast Asia, whatever that means. Could be a lot of countries. But we're supporting. Is that awesome? That makes me feel good. Uh, we're, we're providing um, humanitarian relief for the people of Venezuela. That feels good. People are hurting down there in South America. And we're, we're helping feed those, those poor people. It's, it's an awesome thing. It feels good. People are giving their lives to Christ at Edge Church. Guess what? That feels good, doesn't it? And that's why giving is a joy. It really is. It's a joy. It's, it, it brings me joy. It brings me joy. And you know what? I hope it brings you joy as well. Well, we have a great opportunity to line up with the things that God has said to us about generosity. And it's genius to give. The genius of generosity. Boy, it brings us great joy. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer?